everyone, and welcome to the Unorthodoxy podcast. I'm in the middle of planning a new series, and I figured that before I get there, and of course I'm hoping that I do in fact get there, I should take a few episodes just to answer some questions I've gotten. If you support me on Patreon, you can get to ask me anything, really anything, and I get to fumble my way through whatever the best answer is that I can come up with even if the answer happens to be that I don't know the answer, which, for the record, really is a legitimate answer sometimes. So this question is from Leo, and it's a goodie. There's a lot of details. I'm just going to read it, and I will respond after. Here we go. A personal relationship with Jesus, in quotation marks. I've been struggling with the above expression for a long time. It seems to be what charismatic Christians tend to reduce the faith to, To what extent is this a good summary of Christianity, and at what point does it cross the line? From my experience as an evangelical Protestant in my teens to a Catholic convert at uni and now something more agnostic, I've noticed a parallel between people who use this language and a malign desire for control. I'm conflicted, because Christianity definitely does involve knowing Jesus, praying, and so on. But doesn't anyone else feel an aversion to this specific way of talking that goes beyond mere taste? Perhaps it's because it seems an attempt to control the mystery. For many years, I thought that my aversion was down to me not having a good enough, quote, personal relationship with JC, end quote. Recently, however, I discovered that a French religious community I was a member of in my 20s is now under investigation by the Vatican for being a sect. Looking back, I'm 37 now, I can remember that this group, called the Bethlehem Community, also loved to use this terminology. Any insights would be gratefully appreciated. It's such a it's such an interesting uh, question, and and I, I guess in in a way rhetorical situation. So there you have it. To begin with, I am one hundred percent with Leo on the struggle with the phrase "personal relationship with Jesus." I'm not fond of it, and I'm fully aware of the fact that my response is heavily rooted in my own biases. So. All I can do is explain what's behind my biases before I get to the theology, in the hope that maybe we can arrive at something that is meaningful for all of us. I'm very aware that some of you out there are fine with the phrase, and I certainly don't want to put you down if that's where you are, but, well, this is my honest view on the thing, and I guess that's all you and I can expect from me, right? Anyway, as I see it, we've got a few things going on. First, we have this clump of words. A personal relationship with Jesus, and as Leo says, it is a way of talking. And then there is also the deeper issue of what it actually means to relate to Jesus in more theological terms. I think there is a theology embedded in these words, which we will get to. Insofar as it is a way of talking, my suspicion of the phrase has got a lot to do probably with the fact that it is basically a cliché. And even here I would guess that those of us who have a particular attunement to the aesthetics of language are probably going to be more bothered by clichés than those who are not. Oddly enough, other phrases like relationship with God or even relationship with Jesus don't seem to have the same clichéd tone as the phrase personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which means that the strange tautology, personal relationship, somehow makes the cliché more cliched. Already in one phrase we're hearing the idea of a relationship twice because after all, what relationship isn't personal? Clichés aren't necessarily harmful of course, but they tend to become throwaway statements very quickly. 
Cliches can tame things, they can lull us into a, the realm of complacency, but at the same time, they can cause us to avoid things, that is, to avoid their deeper meaning. So Leo mentions this issue of, of isn't there some sense of control here? And I think, yes, I, I think there may be a tendency in, in using a cliche like this to control meaning in a way to keep meaning at bay. For this reason, I'm also in agreement with Leo's suggestion that the phrase might be a way to hamper our access to the mystery. The tautology, personal relationship, can come across as an overstatement, almost like the opposite of protesting too much. Um, maybe it's about agreeing too much, where the actual state of the relationship is more complicated. Imagine s someone saying, I have a personal relationship with so-and-so. It, it doesn't sound very natural, does it? The minute a cliche appears, well, I, I don't know about you, but my brain switches off. A sermon filled with cliches or a movie filled with cliches, these things aren't very engaging or moving. If we're just looking at the phrase personal relationship with Jesus, just at the rhetoric of it, it's no wonder that it seems problematic to some of us. It's a shorthand, of course, but for what exactly? What does it really mean? The trouble with cliches is that often they become empty containers that each of us can fill with whatever we want to. They're so familiar that they become strangers to us. But of course, all cliches start somewhere. So where did this cliche start? Uh, before I get to an answer, yes, I realize I'm heading down a rather negative road here. I, I'm hoping to say something more redemptive towards the end for those of you who maybe don't have an issue with the phrase. Having planted all of this firmly in your grey matter, whether you like it or not, uh, let's go a little bit deeper. When we start to look at the theology of the phrase, we might start to also get a sense as to whether the rhetoric or way of speaking that it embodies is problematic in itself. And as you will see, I think it's not just problematic in our perceptions, but is actually problematic. So Leo asks in his question, he says, is is this a good way of summarizing what Christianity is about? And I think it is not, basically. I should also mention that I, I'm not sure if if the kind of answer I'm about to provide is what Leo was expecting. And actually, this isn't exactly where I was expecting to go either. But my curiosity got the better of me. So I tried to locate the origin of the phrase personal relationship with Jesus. Why anyone would do such a thing is beyond me, and even why I would do such a thing is beyond me. But here is what I found. The first book to contain something like the phrase, at least that is available on the internet, is a book published in 1764 by the author Thomas Stackhouse, who lived from 1680 to 1752. The title is four lines long. I kid you not. Here it is. This is the title of a book. Seriously. A new history of the Holy Bible from the beginning of the world to the establishment of Christianity with answers to most of the controverted questions, dissertations upon the most remarkable passages, and a connection of profane history all along, to which are added notes explaining difficult texts, rectifying mistranslations, and reconciling seeming contradictions. This sounds like a blurb to a book and not a title, but that is the title of the book. The specific phrase used by Mr. Stackhouse in his um, verbose titled book is 
my personal relationship to the infinite and eternal God. And it is mentioned in a very specific context about a feeling of separation from people, which is to say that the writer experienced some consolation in his relationship with God because consolation wasn't found elsewhere. But the phrase personal relationship to the infinite and eternal God isn't the cliche we know today. So the oldest document I could find online with the first mention of the phrase personal relationship with Jesus is in the Journal of the Transactions of the Victoria Institute or Philosophical Society of Great Britain, published by the Victoria Institute in Great Britain in 1866, where the very Reverend Canon James O'Hanay writes the following on page 196. I have spoken so far of the Church's failure to give her sons a sure and clear faith, but there is something which is yet more important than comaction, however clear and strong, a sense of personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or even, if that be too great a thing, a desire for his friendship. What I mean is that there is a devotion to Jesus Christ, which is independent of all creeds, which a man might have, though he sweated doubts at every pore, which a man might certainly have, though he were totally untaught and could give no account at all of the matter of his faith. If the church has succeeded in leading her sons to regard their saviour thus, her failure on other matters is a small thing. If she has failed in this, no other success, though she might claim many, would be of any value at all. So there you go. That's from 1866. Two years later, in 1868, Ernest Renan writes about St. Paul's personal relationship with Jesus, using those exact words, and he's speaking there of a direct encounter with the risen Christ described in the book of Acts. And as you would guess, there is a strong focus on subjective feeling. I couldn't find anything from the 1870s, but then in 1880, the same phrase is mentioned in Carolyn Hallett's book, Rest by the Way, which was published in 1882. And there she writes, I'm brought to into such close personal relationship with Jesus. No longer am I only one of a crowd, part of the great mass of believers, but he calls me by my name, and, O oh, wondrous thought, I may be his friend, his personal charge brought at times very near to him, my soul very close to his divine spirit. Maybe this doesn't sound too bad, um, although it does suggest what I found in Thomas Stackhouse's words, which I read above, something of a separation from the world. Back in 1882, it, it probably still wasn't a cliché, although I can't be sure. And while the style isn't exactly to my liking, there is a genuine sense of intimacy that I think can be quite appealing. I'll say more about intimacy and uh, with divinity in a short while. But first, let's look at the next book in which the phrase is mentioned. Washington Gladden writes this in 1891 in his book, Burning Questions of the Life That Now Is and of That Which Is to Come which is quite a cool title. Um, he says, Peter was the leader of the apostolic band. His opportunities of knowing the facts concerning the life of Christ were unsurpassed. No other man was in closer personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And <laughs> when I read that, well, mostly Washington Gladden, in three sentences, kind of lost me. He talks about facts as the main thing and somehow then manages to make a judgment that no one can make that no other man was in closer personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, good grief. And then in 1892, in the official report of the 11th International Christian Endeavor Convention, 
<laughs> volumes 11 to 14 on page 132. These things just seem like they're taking themselves too seriously. But anyway, Reverend N. Boynton has these words. My friends, the most precious thing that you and I have in connection with our personal lives is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If your character is taking on proportions which are noble and true and good, it is because Jesus Christ is enshrined in your heart. Um, the last example I will mention is from a newspaper called The Bee. This was published on the 2nd of March in 1893 in Kentucky, USA. The person who's writing this is clearly welcoming a new minister and reminding this new minister in a rather preachy, but I suppose still fairly good-hearted manner of what is important. So there's this one paragraph, which is next to this great advert for Sug & Co. OK Shoe Store. And there it is stressed that God is not distant but close. We don't worship Holy Writ or a distant father, but one who is right here with us. That's more or less what it says. Okay, okay, so enough of that for now. All of this may be very interesting, or maybe it isn't, in which case I'm very sorry I wasted all of your time, but I have a few observations that I find in these examples that also suggest why the phrase personal relationship with Jesus has been taken up especially in Pentecostal charismatic circles. In a lot of this, I see a rather strange focus on experience, which is very much in keeping with the mood of the time out of which this phrase arose. Yes, experience, of course, is a very good thing. To be human is to experience being human, and I'm not an enemy of experience. But having said that, there is something bothersome in the way that a particular kind of experience is emphasized in the examples I've mentioned, which remains problematic in the way I've heard a lot of people mention the phrase personal relationship with Jesus. Experience is split off from belief in both Reverend Canon James O'Hanay's words in 1866 and in the B article from 1893. And in much of this experience is divorced from tradition. And in other mentions of the phrase, personal relationship with Jesus involves a split off from a larger sense of belonging. So what is sought, it seems to me, is a kind of brand new, almost egotistical encounter with Jesus, often at the expense of a larger context. In particular, I do not think that the disconnection from tradition can be sustained. Um, I'm a Gardamerian in that sense, and, and this suggests to me a kind of existentialist theology of disintegration. That's what I would call it. There's a move here towards a kind of glorification of subjectivity that is at the expense of what is bigger than the self and more integrated than the self. So, so just as Leo suggests, there is a kind of eradication of the mystery or uh, a way to kind of control it because as soon as it's a personal relationship that is overly subjective that cannot be tested by any form of sort of larger context you you get to well I guess judge others who haven't had a similar experience but maybe I'm reading too much into it I still think it is interesting when I you know look at all of these sources and look at the historical context and try and understand how all of this fits together, I don't see a holistic theology emerging. I see one that is tending towards disintegrating things. So still to close off, I have a few thoughts around all of this. First, meaning is only meaning in context. This is always true. 
The phrase we're talking about here, which I am by now very tired of repeating, is not a biblical idea. It doesn't happen in the Bible once. It doesn't come from the great tradition. Um, and so it is more than possible for it to be tied to both good and bad theologies, even in the examples I give you. I notice a trend towards, as I've said, a disintegrated theology, and I definitely find that problematic. In the way a lot of people use and have used the phrase around me, I see some signs of disintegration, even in the mere fact that the cliché is used. The subject hasn't found their own words, so they're borrowing what seems to be a fairly innocuous phrase to use as their own, but I, I don't think it suggests the kind of engagement that the, you would maybe even expect the phrase to, to produce. Second, I have no issue with the idea that all of us can and do have personal encounters with divinity in the midst of our embodied being. This is, however, a very historically affected consciousness that we have. We are always embedded in a total context, in a history. And I think a major part of the function of our being in the world is to find integration. Um, I think that our sense of embodied experience is a wonderful thing and I, I would highly recommend becoming receptive to the transcendent goodness that grounds our being not because this separates us from our flesh so to speak but because it helps the enfleshment of our being to be more unified what is a problem is not having an experience or relationship with God but assuming that God resides only in a very particular type of of experience, uh, or that God is only near when we feel he is near. Um, your emotions are great. I've said this before many times. It's good to, to be connected with your emotional experience, but to judge reality on the basis of it is a problem. Third, if you happen to be one of those people who finds beauty and meaning in the phrase personal relationship with Jesus, you have my blessing for what it's worth to carry on using it, I am not a fan of the phrase, clearly, by now you know this a little too well, and hopefully you at least have a sense of some of why that may be, but you are still welcome to carry on your merry way and ignore what I think about it. Then fourthly and lastly, as all of this may help to show, it is good to think about our words and what they mean and how they fit into a larger picture and how they actually relate to what we are doing with language. Uh, language can be a means to open us up to deeper truths and deeper realities, but we can actually shut off reality by speaking of it in, in problematic ways. In having a better understanding of how words shape our consciousness, we might come to take more care in how we use words, because it is in how we use words that we make the world and the human experience intelligible to us. So there you have my thoughts on the question. In the next episode, I'm going to finally get to a question that my friend Gray asked me a while back, and um, it has to do with, well, demons. <laughs> so uh, you're very welcome to join me for that. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.